Welcome to the Sacred Birth Circle. This episode is a heartbreaking but inspiring episode that will help us to reduce stillbirths in this country. Maya Vander has been somebody that has helped immediately after her loss to raise awareness about stillbirth and she is dedicated to creating change in Mason's memory. We hope this episode will activate you to demand better care for yourself and all families. Hello, welcome to the Sacred Birth Circle. My name's Anna Vick. I'm here today with my favorite guest. I love her so much. I've gotten a chance to interview her once already. Thank you all for joining us. And this is Maya Vander, of course. Everyone's familiar with her from Netflix, Selling Sunsets. And of course, she's been very outspoken in this community now as far as being a mother who lost the baby in the last year. Um, it's just so devastating. And I think what you're doing, Maya, is just so important. And I know you didn't have a choice because you were out there already with your pregnancy, obviously. So people will want to know what happened. But I think just breaking stigma and stereotypes is so important for prevention. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. You know, I try to be as involved as I can uh, with the hectic, crazy schedule and kids. But my goal is to really create more awareness because um, you know, moving forward, and I still want to get pregnant again, it's like, okay, now we're going to monitor you. Now we're going to, you know, and I have great doctors, but it's like, why is it like I have to bury a child in order to be monitored more? And it's kind of like, okay, now you're in the bad luck statistics, so we're going to take care of you. But meantime, I have to deal with the trauma. And obviously, so as you and so as so many other women, I mean, I still get messages all the time. Um, with different stories and I try to just be there for the other women myself it helps me too uh, frankly right I think what's incredible really is the fact that you were pregnant on television you know now everyone saw that like last season you were pregnant you know beautiful healthy everything's going perfectly and so I think that in itself is like blowing people's minds like how did that happen to a normal pregnancy and it does exactly happen so often and it actually happens more to a low-risk family like you mentioned because the level of care is different for someone who's considered normal healthy textbook you know like we were so yeah it's a lot of chance for things to kind of slip through the cracks where now you're going to see such an intense high level of care that we really wish we had all gotten in the first place you know it doesn't seem fair at all yeah, and I still have all these questions. And and by the way, something that um, I wanted to, to, to clarify, if, if I don't know if people watch the reunion and all that, but I was speaking about my stillbirth and I did say that it looks like it was a mix of cold compression with small placenta. For some reason, my accent got in the way and all the magazine wrote swallow placenta. So it's not swallow placenta, it's a small placenta, which means the placenta, the placenta is smaller in the ratio for where it should be with the combination of um, a cord compression, which I have no clue how the cord can even be compressed. I know I've been doing, um, I've been joining you one time with Dr. Uh, Jason Collins, which was very helpful. I still need to see the videos you sent me about those hot cord compressions because it sounds like it's an easy thing to, to have in the womb. You can just get your cord compressed with a baby and you have no clue. And then it makes me wonder, about babies that's born and they are not okay and they did all the genetic testing and it's fine and then the babies have some sort of like you know autism or maybe like some sort of mental issue that may be caused by some sort of cold compression that nobody knew about and 
I don't know. I have all these crazy feelings, right? It's very true. Actually, I know because of what I do, a lot of women who have been able to save their baby because they notice the fetal movement change, which we talk about a lot, you know, to notice if your baby's moving more or even, you know, less or more. More means possible cord compressions because they're kind of frantic, you know, like they're not getting- And my baby moved a lot. So then I'm- so then I'm like moving forward, which hopefully God will send me. And I'm not that religious, but now I'm like, hopefully I will get pregnant again. Am I going to freak out when the baby moves more? Because before I'm like, oh, the baby is active. You know, it's my coffee. It's whatever. Yes, I drink Nescafe when I was pregnant. I wasn't too crazy about all that stuff. But what does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just getting to know your baby's normal movement, which we talk a lot with push for empowered pregnancy is, you know, throughout the day kind of get to know the routine of your baby when they wake up, how much they move throughout the day. You know, if your husband comes in and talks that they get, you know, a little bit excited and they move, that's all normal. You know, these are behaviors of a baby that's developing. And this is usually after 26 weeks, you know, 28 weeks, normal pregnancies, we usually start kick counting. And so if you notice one day something very bizarre out of the ordinary, like the frantic, all of a sudden, very wild movements, that's something that some women have reported before stillbirth. So Hopefully you just kind of get to know your baby. I'm actually going through my old pregnancy after loss, um, little journals that I kept about my experience. And I'm like, oh my God, what I survived. It's crazy. You're remembering because like you just said, you're going to freak out and you are going to be worried. And it's hard because you're just like, was that different? You know, but also you're empowered because now you know about this. So it's kind of sad. Like that's why a lot of the countries that are reducing stillbirth talk about fetal movement, education, not just for the mother to know about this, but for the providers too, because sometimes you get the wrong response. Sometimes you call in and they'll say, well, that's kind of normal for the end of pregnancy for your baby not to move, which is not true. Yeah, that's what I saw. Okay, it's moving less, less room to go. I mean, I still had some sort of like a bad feeling, but unfortunately I didn't go to the ER, which I should have. I just went to some private ultrasound because all I care is like, oh, perfect heartbeat, cord is not around the neck. I didn't even know anything about cold compression. I had no clue that if the baby towards the end of the pregnancy moves less, it's because there is some sort of distress. So now I'm like, oh, okay. And it just makes me really mad. And I'm sure you feel the same thing years later because it just, I don't know. It's, I think it's a trauma that will always be there. And I just spoke with my husband about it last night. I'm like, I still won't have that, you know, whatever. Now it's, it's going to be a fault baby because my, I lost my third but it's never going to give, it's never going to replace or, or fill that void. Because then I would say, well, I could have had four children and now I have three. So it's not like, okay, now I have my third baby because I have a fourth baby because I didn't have my third one. So it's just, it's it's like always like the trauma is always there. And also like the what if, it's just always there. Like you learn to live with it somehow because you have no choice. You know, you have kids, I have kids, thank God. Uh, I can tell you from the women who messaged me, it's their first child. I mean, that's just, I don't know how I would do if it would be my first child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something, a memory I have very strongly about my loss is how dark it is for you, you know, immediately after. And I mean, it's just like, how am I going to live? That's just the only thing I could think is like, how can I go so many days of life you know, because you just want to be with your baby. It's just like a horrible feeling. Like we're going to be separated, you know, and having my daughter was like my savior because I knew I had to be her mom, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, I remember when it happens, it was right on Christmas for us. And I love that time of the year because it's like, you know, the lights and everything. And we just walked down my streets and, you know, the houses are so beautiful with the lights and everything just looks like, eh, like mm-hmm. gray, unhappy. I just wanted to remove the Christmas tree already and move forward because that means, okay, we're going, you know, like time goes by faster and like I'm moving on. Uh, and I'm seven months in, but it feels like it was yesterday in a way. Yeah. And, you know, obviously suffering a recent miscarriage, that, you know, that sucked too, but stillbirth is a is a whole different level for sure mm-hmm. i mean i just had a woman message me like last week that she had her baby she delivered her baby and 30 minutes later the baby died so i don't know i don't know how we all have the energy to to move forward i mean life is stronger than everything i guess we have no choice like you said but it's tough yeah no, I mean, like you, you said it chases you, you know, and when you said that, I was like, that's the perfect word. This whole thing is just like, I'm maybe to others, I appear obsessed, you know, like all I post about is stillbirth and that's my whole account. It's still my son, you know, it's about him. It became like my journal. That's where I kept my thoughts because I thought like normal people, they don't want to hear this anymore. They don't want it all over my Facebook, you know, and I'm, I was a professional then. So I was like, I can't really talk about that that much. So it was like my private journal and now it's public because of the awareness I'm trying to create. But yeah, that's all I post about because I feel like we have to talk about it and we have to amplify it because if I save a baby, which I want you to talk about, because I know you mentioned one at least has contacted you who got her baby out in time because we're yeah. still, you know, it's so she, worth it. It is. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like my biggest, my biggest advice is like, yeah, if you pay attention to like either maybe more movements or, or way less movements then definitely go to the hospital. And if you are advanced pregnancy, do get monitored, maybe get connected to the monitor for not like an hour for, for a day to see if there is any decrease in, in, in heartbeat or anything that indicate a problem. Because one of the ladies messaged me, she's like, I just want you to know that you saved my uh, baby's life. I had a bad feeling. I, I read your story. Um, I insisted to get delivered. They delivered her and they did have two nuts around the, the cord, the cord, the cord. So that, ha- I mean, so she thanked me because it, it could have ended up bad. And, and yeah, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of stories that it almost was close, but it didn't happen. And they are lucky and thankful. And unfortunately for us, we weren't lucky. And, and, yeah, it's going to chase me forever because every year, every birthday, it's always going to be like, what could I have done different? I had a perfect baby, like nothing genetic. Look, if it was, if it, if the pathology report would come with a bad genetic or something in the brain or the heart, then I would be like, okay, thank God, you know, it's meant to be, uh, you know, the baby is not going to suffer. We're not going to suffer, but the baby pathology was just perfectly fine. It was just a really bad accident. And we always say, oh, you know, the babies are protected in the womb. It's the safest place. But clearly, it's not really the safest place at t- at some cases. So it better be in the, in, you know, NICU maybe. Right. Or a week or two versus in my, in, inside me that I don't know what's going on. And actually, I have a lot of families that reported that as well. And they've saved their babies. But they do have to come out early sometimes. And see, we're trained to think that like, oh, baby's healthy and normal and everything's fine. Every time you come in, all your tests are fine. And the doctors are like reassuring you and you're feeling fine. You know, you're a healthy young woman. You're doing everything right. It's really hard for you to trust that instinct if you have it, that something might be different today. So 
that's what's really difficult. And that's why we really talk about it a lot because if your baby has to come out, like mine would have come out at 32 weeks, that's pretty young. You know, no one would say like, let's just take a baby out for no reason. Yeah. Kind of worried, you know, let's go ahead and take it out. But maybe they would have actually put a, a monitor on. Maybe they would have had me there, you know, for several days to see what's going on here. Cause there were cord compressions for me as well. And it was for several days. Well, I didn't know that, of course, and they're not checking your cord at normal appointments. So that was just like not seen, you know, and it could have been, it could have been possible if I had seen a difference in the movement somehow, or if my cord was constantly being checked every appointment. Because my doctor told me, yeah, when you get pregnant next time, we could see the flow or something. Like you mentioned that we could see it or pay attention to it, but it's just, what really makes me mad, it's like, okay, oops, sorry, now that you have a dead baby, we're going we're gonna to check for some flow and all that. That should be, I mean, better. look, I, you know, during pregnancy, in my case, what, you have like four or five ultrasound and that's it. That's it. Like, yeah, you don't know what's going on. I mean, I want, you know, look, the private ultrasound that I did, it's like a, one of those 3D places. So again, maybe if I would go into the hospital, I would have better like monitoring, but then would it be too late at this point? Because... The baby was moving already less and less. I mean, could even if I deliver, would I have a normal baby? Like, it's a lot of questions. I mean, he looked normal when I deliver him. Everything looks fine. I mean, obviously, he was, you know, had a little peel over the skin, but it looked like a perfect developed baby. So it's almost like, yeah, oops, now we're going to check on you better. And that's just what makes me sometimes still mad. It's like, okay. And I don't think people who experience a stillbirth uh, or, or, you know, like, and pregnancy loss can really understand, like, the effect of the mom, the family, the, you know, siblings. In my case, my kids were, are little, so they barely understand, thank God. But if someone has a family that the kids are older and understand, that's a really big trauma for the kids, too. So. Well, yeah, you could definitely check the cord. Um, there's cord Doppler scans, which Dr. Collins talks about. And it's going to take parents like us who are sick of this, you know, who are going to say, this is not appropriate care. You know, our standard of care is so low in our country anyways, we can see that with the statistics of stillbirth being so high, you know, 23,000 a year, that's huge. And we're not reducing the rate. We are actually like 49th or 48 out of 49 high income com uh, countries to reduce it. So Everyone else is doing much better doing something, right? We're not even doing anything. We don't have protocols. And, you know, that's why we talk about things that we can do, like actually the Shine for Automac, which we've talked to you about a little bit. And Yeah, I'm sorry. I know, I know. I'm, I owe Debbie like more like publicity and all that. And I know you, I saw your post. I, I'm going to get to it. I just didn't expect yeah. to go to Amsterdam to see my dad. But um, so I'm going to get more involved with that as well. Actually, if you want to, talk about uh yeah, well what's exciting first of all you know thanks to your senator one of them is uh one of the leads on this marco rubio so him and cory booker and then we have two more new ones um, adding on so we're just trying to find co-sponsors right now so if anybody wants to help us with that you can go to stillbirthstories.com and that's a great way to just send a message to your senator it's right there like a letter is already filled out about what this act will do and you'll just put your address and name and it'll send a message. But we also need meetings with senators. So if you can try that next step will really help because they need to hear from us. They need to make sure that, you know, we're telling them this is important. This is not just for our families. Obviously I'm done with pregnancy, 
you might want to have another. So this might help you, but you're already going to get better care. But we're talking about everybody else in this country who's we're sitting ducks, you know, we're just going to the appointments that we get, we're thinking we're getting all the care we need, but obviously not. Um, and this Shine for Automac will actually start at the very beginning, which is sad to start from this, but we need to know the causes of these losses. So it's collecting data properly and it's including um, training because we don't all get a cause of our stillbirth. I know you finally got yours through Dr. Kleiman and I myself didn't get this cause for six years because no one was helping me. I had my doctors. They were, just tell you it's happened, but I'm like, no, yeah. it's not just happened. Baby don't just die. Like in the womb, cause they feel like they want to, like, it's not mm -hmm. just happened. Like, I don't get this answer. Like, no, it could be the like genetic. It could be some problem with blood clotting. It could be any, some sort of reaction. I don't know with the mom immunity attack the baby. There are so many other reasons that could right. happen and we need to know i mean i know you follow christina perry and she messaged me on instagram too it looks like she has a blood clotting issue um and and nobody told her she didn't know like i'm taking baby aspirins but i don't even know if i have an issue like i mean i think they did a test for me i really think they check on me because they told me just take baby aspirin just in case so i've been doing that mm -hmm. for blood clotting in pregnancy but yeah, that's what I did too, because I read about it. You know, I did my own research after losing a baby. Nobody told me about this before, of course. And then I had my multiple losses. I had miscarriages and they would not check for the blood clotting disorder, which I'm so thankful for her using her platform for this too, because, you know, they won't just give you tests unless you demand. And then a lot of times it's like, oh, insurance won't cover this one. It's all so about money in this country. I love the United States, but it's all about money. And I feel like part of it, with the stillbirth, yeah, they would not want to deliver you at 37 weeks because God forbid the lungs don't develop yet and then they have to put you in the NICU and then there is more liability. So that means more lawsuit. And again, it's like, it's a whole thing. And I'm not saying to every woman, hey, reach 37 weeks, go deliver, but then then do more ultrasound. Then, mm -hmm. then do more monitoring tests. Like, you know, maybe you should come, I don't know, every other day to, to check for like the movement. I don't know. There are so many things you can maybe do more, but it's all about money. And I don't know. I it don't is. know what else could be done. It is. But the sad thing is what they don't realize is that there's actually more costs if you have a stillbirth than if you have a born baby, a live baby. So we still have to deliver. We still have to go through all that expense and insurance is covering their portion. So insurance needs to think about providing the better care all throughout so that these situations do not happen. Because after the fact, we also have to have additional testing. You know, a lot of us do autopsy, which I was talked out of, but you should, if you've had a loss, try to get some answers. You know, you have to get the blood test. You have to go through an additional higher level for your next pregnancy, which is very expensive. So this next pregnancy after loss is gonna cost them more money. It had your son been alive, you know, you wouldn't need that anymore. So yeah, you have therapy, you have cost to the family, you know, you, you're still working, you're a warrior. I don't know what you're doing, but I stopped working. You know, I couldn't work. I couldn't be with people that saw me pregnant. I just, I had, I fell apart, you know, and that's what happens to a lot of people. And so the workforce will suffer from someone very productive. I used to work and make a lot of money for my club, you know, I was like, nope, I hate sales now. I don't care about that, you know, so out of there. And I mean, I have a sweet client of mine and she told me, I don't know how you even function and work. Like I had a miscarriage and I quit my job, a miscarriage. And, and stillbirth is a whole, I mean, I had to close the deal, like literally from the hospital as I'm still, you know, delivering a baby. Like I, I couldn't disappear on my client because that's not responsible, but I had to 
function. And in a way, like, I think I'm, I'm, I was still in a shock, you know, that this is even happening to me. But um, yeah, I had to like do showings and, you know, do real estate and the show comes out around the same time and everything is fine and everybody are living their life as they should. But I still have that trauma that I need to figure out, okay, how do I move on from this trauma? Or at least not move on, but it's like, how do I live? How do, what, what do I do? I have two kids, thankfully, thank God. Because I tell you, uh, if it would be like a first child, uh, that's even, and I had, again, those women who messaged me with first baby, like how are they going to do it with a second pregnancy? Like, it's mm. terrible. No, it's so scary. I know a lot of people who have to go through it and, you know, it's hard to trust the system, first of all, now that this has happened to you, you know, all this reassurance from your pregnancy and then the baby just passes away and you're just like, oh, well, that just happens, you know, and you're like, what in the world, you know? So I actually did not go back to the same doctor. There was no way I would do that, but um, I did get the high-risk doctor too. So that did help me. It did make me feel a little more secure because I thought, well, this guy, he's on top of it. You know, he's delivered so many high-risk situations, every single kind, you know, with triplets and all that stuff, you know, so surely he can help me get a baby here, you know? But even in that pregnancy, I got into situations where I was like fighting with them, like, I need more tests. I'm, I have an infection. And they were just like, no, you don't, you know, and every appointment I have it in my journal, like every week I was coming in, this is still there. I still have an infection and they were treating it different ways and it wasn't coming out. And so finally they did one more test and it turns out it was group B strep. And plus this other thing is called BV for short. So they're like, oh yeah, because it's in your urine, it's actually dangerous. Um, normally you can have group B strep in pregnancy and they test for everybody routinely. I had, I had the group B with my stillbirth, yeah. but, but Dr. Kleiman said it, that it's not the placenta or whatever, I didn't look infected, but I was wondering if it's had, and in my other pregnancy, I didn't have that, but I was wondering maybe that infection really caused something. I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue. Nobody tells me anything. So I don't know if Infection that. Infection and pregnancy is so dangerous, you know, it can be the reason you go into preterm birth, which is what I was really freaking out about because I had a cerclage too. So my son was coming early in 20 weeks and I had to have surgery for that. But um, people don't realize infections are so serious, you know? So if you notice a change in your body, that's another tip we can offer. You need to speak out and don't back down just because you have the high-risk doctor or the best doctor, you know, that you trust. I mean, look, with the miscarriage now, I mean, look, a lot of people, another thing is like the vaccine, okay? I got the vaccine the day I got pregnant with Mason. I don't think it has to do with it. I don't know the research. I know I hear mixed things about the vaccine and I'm not a doctor, but I just want to clarify that I didn't get the vaccine late pregnancy. I got it the day I got pregnant with Mason. Um, my family all had COVID around the stillbirth, but I never got COVID. I don't know if my reaction to my, for my body did something. Again, climate didn't see any placenta infected with that. So I think it's really like that, just that bad luck with yeah. the cord. Um, are, I just want to say about that. People are trying to get on that because, you know, there's a community that doesn't want vaccinations and that sort of thing. But the fact of the matter that stillbirths are higher right now has nothing to do with this vaccine. The vaccine is actually helping protect the women. And actually, once you have your baby, your baby will have that protection. What is happening is people are getting COVID and some of them are getting it earlier in pregnancy, like very early on. And that affects the placenta, the development of the placenta. Yeah, I mean, I got COVID. I got COVID. My miscarriage now, I had COVID probably around the same time that I got pregnant, like implantation and stuff. So 
the baby was there until seven and a half weeks and then it just stopped going. So I don't know if that, that COVID thing that I had maybe infected that, maybe affected the beginning of the stage of the, the pregnancy. Like, I don't know, it could be a bad egg. Or it could be just, right. you know, bad luck with the chromosomes, or it could be definitely the COVID I got right around the same time I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had the miscarriage. So it could be that. I don't know. I mean, there are so many like theories and, and questions. And another thing about COVID, I'll just say why the numbers have gone up is because the care level had changed. You know, I don't know if it happened in your pregnancy, but some people didn't go in as much in person. Some people didn't get as many ultrasounds because of that. You know, they had over the phone care and a lot of people didn't get to bring their support people, which does play a part in pregnancies. You know, a lot of women feel like they neither support their partner or whoever's coming with them. So if they forget a question or they're not being heard, you know, that does help to have your partner with you. So things did change um, during COVID and level of care. So that's what yeah. I'm going out with COVID. Yeah. We have a lot of comments coming on Facebook. I'm so oh, really? Because I have no clue how many people are watching. And Thank you all for watching. I just wanted to acknowledge you. And I know that we, we don't like to keep Maya too long because she's a busy woman. So I won't bring in too many of the questions, but everyone is thankful for you and your time and raising awareness. And I think what is so important for everyone in the world to see is that this is happening. It's at crisis level. We all need to participate in raising this awareness and like actually do your part, call your senators, because if you're pregnant now or you're planning to be, this can affect you. You know, it's not about me anymore. I'm doing this for my son because I honor him with this work. You know, I'm a volunteer. I love to talk about him and I love to, you know, help people save their babies. And if I hear a story like yours, I was like, when you told me, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing because, you know, it's sad for you that your baby didn't get saved. But, you know, thankfully Mason is you know, having an impact and that's a great legacy, you know. And you know, that. like the women who watch me on Selling Sons and I saw me pregnant and well, sorry, saw, saw my stillbirth story and they were pregnant themselves and it happened to them too. So I have those women who message me now, like we saw your stillbirth and then two months later, we lost our baby. So they probably think like, what are the chances? Okay, it's very rare and then it happened to them. So it's almost like, Look, I mean, I'm a public figure and I have a lot of followers, so it's obviously easier for me to have more exposure and see the the amount of people who experience the same thing that you and I did ahead. But it's, I don't know, I feel like it's more common than we think. Um, You know, when I go, and I said it a couple of times, when I was, every time I'm pregnant, I always read like every week, oh, what's the baby doing? And there is a, you know, there is like a little line says, if you, you know, feel decreased movement, go to call your doctor. Uh, and then if you want to prevent stillbirth, don't lay on your back, which I always lay on my side. So I cannot tell you, oh my gosh, I was laying on my back and had a stillbirth. I was laying on my side my whole pregnancy, even like after the first, you know, right after 12 weeks. So that doesn't have to do with it even. Maybe it doesn't help. I mean, but but that's all you read, right? Like you read like, oh, if you're on your back, uh, there is no articles that says like, hey, here is a link for a potential causes for stillbirth could be cold compression could be this i never heard about cold compression like every time people think oh it was the cold around the neck that's all i know like i had no clue so i feel like an idiot because i'm a 40 years old you know i wouldn't say i'm genius but i'm educated woman we never even think there is a compression in a cord i had no clue so i feel like there is a lack of uh, information that can be could be provided like I know they tell you yeah decrease movement, but what causes decrease movement? Like what is the reason? I mean, mm-hmm. 
So anyways. I, I think like there's the fear of like a mass hysteria if everyone knows this, right? Like we don't want every mom freaking out and coming in every day, but in reality, places that are using additional like protocol teaching about fetal movement, talking, using the word stillbirth, telling everyone we are all at risk, you know, it's not the highest risk, it's one out of 170, but we know that many people. So, you know, just be careful with your pregnancy and be on alert, you know, that alertness is going to help you in the time like this. Like if I had even heard the word, maybe I would have noticed change too sooner, but no one talked to me about it at all. And that's why it's so important to talk about it and you know to show ourselves because sadly people assume it's only happens to people who are doing the wrong thing or like oh you're yeah like drug drug addict and all that sure did i had a glass of wine you know once a week or even a half a glass yes i did i asked climate is it the wine he's like no i'm like is it my nescafe that i'm drinking no it's nothing to do with that but yeah it's like i don't do drugs i don't smoke like i don't do anything I'm, i work out i'm very active I do, you know, I eat very healthy. Like I eat a lot of vegetables, fruits. Like I have a very good, decent diet. Take the multivitamins, baby aspirin. I do everything right. And still it happened to me. Um, and that's what makes me so mad because you read about stillbirth and they tell you, oh, low income places, you know, from these places and people who do drugs. And so then you're like, okay, I didn't do any of that. Why, why am I in this stupid statistic? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, you had, unfortunately, the kind of a perfect storm, as they call with the cord compressing and then the placenta not continuing to grow and your son so healthy, he was healthy, he was a normal size, you know, so just the placenta can no longer sustain him. So it's just so sad because those are definitely things that are out of your control, you know, personally, and I, I hope you know that it sucks, you know, this happened, but as far as what the protocol changes are in like the UK and other countries, uh, Australia also has a care um, team doing do protocols there. So everyone's doing the same care. Um, all that they're changing isn't really mother related. The only thing mother related is no smoking, which we aren't doing and um, fetal movement, like noticing the movement and coming in and the rest of it's on them. You know, they want the doctors to be checking for growth restrictions, you know, making sure they're looking at that um, the cords, it's really tricky. That's why we have those meetings with Dr. Collins, because no one really wants to accept that they could do more for cords. And I don't believe and it's so important. It's like it's like literally like what feeds the baby with the placenta. Yeah. So we look at the baby and they assume, okay, the baby is growing fine with the cord, but what if there is some sort of like decreased oxygen or whatever blood flow less? I mean, there is no way to find out. I mean, obviously there is a way because you know, like so it just, it just makes me mad that, okay, now we're going to pay attention. Mm -hmm. But meantime, I need to figure out a stone that I need to choose for the cemetery because I still need to choose the stone. And I've been pushing it away because I just don't want to deal with it. But I mean, yeah, so, okay, next pregnancy, we'll find out uh, what we can do better. But meantime, I have to choose one I'm going to write on a stone for a baby that I didn't get a chance to hug. And it just makes me mad and sad, frankly. Like, it's just... Yeah, you should be. You know, and I know you're, you're not the only one in your family. I mean, everyone is affected by that. So we speak about it. Usually you see moms talking because we are the ones that got the medical care and we know more and maybe we can handle it. My husband doesn't like to talk about this, you know, yeah. very dramatic for them as well. And, you know, long-term effects last for everybody involved. That's why, you know, the cost of stillbirth is so high. You have 
PTSD and trauma for the rest of your life, it, it kind of trickles into how you parent your other children. And for me, you know, my husband, I thankfully we've lasted, but people have broken up marriages. You know, it's really hard because you can grieve differently. You know, one person wants to be like me fighting and doing stuff, talking about all the time, the other person doesn't, you know, and it's triggering, yeah. traumatizing. So we have to have a balance. And my husband's comfortable now, just like going to the other room and I do this, but um, some people just can't handle it. You know, they want the support of their husband equal. And I had that early on where I was like, why isn't he crying all the time like me, you know? And it's because he was trying to be strong. He had to take care of Naomi and take her to school while I was just in the room and unable to move, you know? Yeah, so. that's true. That's very true. Everybody grieved differently. And I see it from the women who message me. They sound as upset at their partner that he's went to the work the next day. But everybody are different. Like my husband grieved. He took his time. But then he, you know, he go back to work. And I'm the one who always bring up the stillbirth more than him but he's obviously very upset about it um and said he just like what choice do we have we have two kids we can't just be here depressed all day that's not good for them i talk about mason when i can but i also don't want to cause them trauma because they're still little so they don't understand fully but um yeah no and it'll evolve you know how you deal with it and what you're comfortable sharing or not sharing um, at the beginning, I was just like, oh, everyone's going to forget about my son, Owen, you know, and no one's talking about him anymore after a few weeks where it's like condolences, condolences. And then, okay, you know, they expect you to move on, have more children and focus on your living children. And I get that even from family where they think I'm taking too much time for my kids to do this. But I do feel like as a mother of three, this is his time, you know, and I will give it to him for the rest of my life because I can't do it any other way. Sorry, you made me cry less. You I'm cried sorry. last time, and I was like, "I'm sorry." It's hard to go there, but you know, I wish I could raise him. He would be seven, and that's also why I talk because I think for other mothers to see a mother like me who's still here doing the things I do, and this is how I love him, you know. And I think people worry about that, like, what am what am I going to do to be his mother for so long, and how am I going to yeah. keep talking about him and stuff, and you know, at the beginning, yeah, it was hard because I didn't have a cause, but now I do. And I feel like I have a strength to do these talks. To do it, yeah. And like women that look to me for answers. And, you know, some people have found answers now, thankfully. And that relieves so much trauma for the woman because they blame themselves. Yeah. They worry like they did something wrong. And it's not fair how can this like culture it treats women like we're just supposed to produce babies and if we don't do it oh well you know go have more it's yeah. not, and there's no support you know and then there's this whole debate about who can have an abortion or not well guess what I I wanted my baby but nobody's fighting for me nobody's here helping me why does nobody yeah. care about Owen you know he had a name and that's why we're going to do the big push um, in Washington DC it's October 15 anybody who wants to join us we're just going to walk out there with these empty strollers because that's what we have empty strollers didn't get to come home with our child and we want you to see like hopefully we're trying to get 23,000 which is the number of babies each year that die in our country but it's going to be a big show you know to say listen this is real these are full-term babies that could be home with us and we want them we want our babies they have names I'm going to wear Owen's shirt you know I have his bear which he comes to my things because this is his size. This is how big he was. 
he was heavy, you know, even for a 32, 32. he was going to be great. You know, he could have survived it had we got him out a little bit sooner. And, you know, that could have been damaged, but I would have been. I mean, I know someone, one of my friends, she had a twins and for in literally 24 weeks, she had to deliver because of placenta. I don't know what was the reason. One twin died and one twin survived at 24 weeks and he's like two years old now. So yes, Owen could have survived. Yeah. And that's what my doctor said. They were like, we try to resuscitate for like half an hour because we thought there's no way, like we save smaller babies all the time. You know, he would look so healthy. He wasn't, you know, and he was, he was okay. He still had a heartbeat when I got there, but it was low. It was going away. So it was just too much damage, you know, and that's just so heartbreaking, you know, like I was so close and there's people who don't know and they, they come in and, oh, there's no heartbeat, right? That's just how, how are you going to tell someone that, you know? That's how I'm like, I mean, you know, all my, all my deliveries were vaginal, including Mason. Uh, and moving forward, if I do get a pregnancy, I'm like, what do I do? Do I just go 37 weeks and just I'm like, hey, just C-section me and just take the baby out? Because I don't want any problem with like pushing and then the baby, like my first son, Aiden, he got stuck. I mean, that could have ended up in a traumatic event too. Like, I don't know what, I had no clue, but you know, I pushed for two hours and it didn't come out and they had to put him with vacuum and could, things could easily like turn side, you know, like south. And, and thankfully it didn't and I have Aiden, but moving forward with another pregnancy, do I just, I mean, I'd, I'm good with deliver vaginal and it's a great recovery, but I'm like, I don't want to have any problems. I'm scared. Like it's maybe just like cut it, cut me open and just take the baby out. I don't, I don't want to push. I don't want to deal with like potential cold and, and all that stuff. I don't know. I'll take it as it can. First, let me get pregnant and actually carry it to term. But you know, one thing at a time, apparently I get pregnant easy. I just, you know, I mean, which I'm lucky and thankful for. You know, a lot of women were dealing with, you know, fertility issues and IVFs and all that stuff. So at least I didn't have to go through that. But I'm still pushing, you know, I am 40. So it's not like I have the whole time in the world. Well, and that's another tragedy, actually, that I just want to point out. A lot of moms who've lost babies are IVF moms who had to go through a lot to get pregnant and spend a lot of money and, you know, their partner as well. And that's a lot of cost to society as well for families trying to get pregnant. And we don't even understand, like, we need to do more research just on everything there is to do with pregnancy. Like, we don't know why there's preterm labors happening. So the Iris Foundation is another great group that they're researching. Why do people start labor early? What causes that? You know, and that would be so helpful for women who are losing babies, like for incompetent cervix earlier, like second trimester loss, you yeah. know, just so many holes. And I mean, I honestly think that we're going in the right direction because there are so many people like us who are willing to speak about it. And like, we're demanding it. We're not just saying, oh, I'm so sad. Yeah, I'm sad. I'm sad, but I'm also angry and I, I want change, you know? Yeah, and I promise I'm going to post about Debbie's organization. Uh, I just got sidetracked with my short trip for my dad. Um, so I'm going to post that and, you know, try yeah, to do as much as I can with my exposure and public, uh, you know, public attention. I don't want to post every day because people think I'm just like, you know, like, like to your point, like, oh, gosh, here she is posting again. And I don't want to see it and all that. Um but I also don't want to like no talk about it because it's my personal story and my personal trauma and that's my social media. So I want to do whatever I want. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. But the things you're sharing also, like even when you spoke about your trauma and your sadness over the loss, you know, that connected you to so many people that 
now feel like, oh my goodness, I've been seen and supported and someone, you know, like me, like, and that's what's so shocking to me because I have people follow me every day and I'm like, wow, this young girl, like woman, beautiful baby shower, like that was the previous photo. And all of a sudden she's talking about she lost her baby and it just shocks me every day because I'm like, honestly, I didn't think it happened for this reason. I didn't think it could just happen to anybody, you know? Yeah. I mean, I see it. I, see, I get the emails, I get the messages, I get a lot of them, a lot. And um, and it's not just like you and I and, you know, and, and two others. It's, it's like thousands of women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and this is just like the basics of society, right? Is having children, happy, healthy families. So I think everyone should be very invested in this. You know, don't worry about you didn't have a stillbirth, so you don't know what to do. We know what to do. Please support us. You know, shine for stillbirth, push for empowered pregnancy. Great organization. Yeah, push. Well. I mean, through push, I found Dr. Kleiman, and at least I got some sort of like answer for what happened because yeah. the pathology report. First of all, it took forever until I got it. You know, I had to chase them, call them a million times, but I got it and it looks fine. It just said, oh, you know, spots in the placenta, but it doesn't tell you what's the, what could be the cause. Like, okay, but all I know is that my baby was genetically fine, mm -hmm. which it's like my husband says, like any answer you're going to get, you're going to be upset because if the baby was genetically not good, you're like, okay, why is genetically it's not good? You know, what, what are we going to do next pregnancy? If the baby is genetically good, then I was like, then why did it happen? It's just like, right. so there, there's always those following up questions. So even with the perfect baby pathology report, I wasn't, I wasn't, it was, I was upset because I'm like, okay, I could have had a perfect baby. It could have been seven months today and I would be done with pregnancy, done with everything. And I know people like laugh and say, oh, you know, you know, just be whatever you always pregnant and all that. But yeah, I mean, I always wanted, you know, the, I mean, I, I want to have a big family and I didn't know, you know, I was, I was okay with my, I was okay with my two kids, right? And I'm like, okay, should I, we go for it? Should we not go for it? And then we, we start trying for the third. And then when I lost Mason, I'm like, then I just couldn't let go. And it's, I still cannot let go. Look, if I'm going to have like three more miscarriages or whatever, I probably mentally will just say enough is enough. But I'm hoping that the next one will just go through. I mean, that's all I can hope. Mm -hmm. but you know people say oh at least you have already two kids and whatever yeah it's true but I still buried the baby I still had to go to a cemetery I still had to deliver the baby and I still see his face you know I, I still feel him and I, I lost him so it doesn't take away it helps me move on or move I should say move on but accept and acknowledge but it doesn't take away from my pain Mm -hmm. The fact that I have children. I mean, thank God, but I have them. Right. Yeah, I've always felt that way because I wanted a big family and I had so many losses. And I'm like, oh, I could have like five right now, you know? Yeah. I would be a different mother and I'm sure I would be crazy running around, but that's what I wanted, you know? And after my last finally coming through, thankfully alive, I just like, that's enough because I know I'm at danger with now three c-sections and i can't leave my children you know so i i've decided that's it for us but did you do c-section mm -hmm. got it got it i had to because of the air clodge they put in so that he wouldn't come out early he was trying to exit at 20 weeks is not good wow so how when did you c-section uh for him to come out Sorry, like what? seven and a half i think it was wow because i was there for the last week i had a little bit low fluid 
And this is what's crazy because I didn't even know the real cause, but I already thought it could be a cord because I was writing in my journal, like, oh no, if there's a low fluid, this cord can be compressed. And say, so I don't even know about this stuff. I just got it from somewhere. And so I was like, wow, imagine that, like that could have probably reoccurred. So thank God I was a different person, you know? And I was like, I'm not yeah. without my baby. And they kept me on monitor the whole time for the whole week, even though I should have gone home the first day because they got me back to normal. And they said, no, you'd be fine. I'm like, well, we don't know why the fluid's coming out. So if yeah. it's coming out, it could continue to come out at home. And then I'm gonna have to fly over here, you know, an hour away to see you. And maybe I'll be too late again. So I refused to leave. And so that's good. They kept me. Yeah. And then finally at the end, they were like, okay, you're having some contractions. We're going to schedule you for today, but they wouldn't, you know, schedule it early. I kept um, from the very beginning. I was like, can we just plan this for 37 weeks? You know, I cannot make it like to 39 even. And the doctor said, no, I need to get you to 39 at least. So every time we met, I would ask for a date and he wouldn't give it to me. So at the end, the baby decided, you know, he started to come, but yeah, it's, it's very tra traumatic, difficult. Um, we have the rainbow clinic now in New York. I don't know if you've seen some of those posts for push uh, that we're helping with that. And, you know, for parents after loss, the care does have to be different because you need that empathy and you also need, you know, to find out more about the previous loss before you go into this pregnancy. It's so helpful just to have the right care for you. Like Christina's, as you mentioned earlier, you know, now she can take blood thinners. Like how simple is that? Now she can do that with this pregnancy and hopefully maintain a healthy pregnancy. So yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Maya. I'm not going to keep you all day because I know you have your mom there too. So I hope you enjoy Thank it. you. And know that we really appreciate you and everything you're doing and uh, loving Mason, you know, we will never forget him either. So I hope you feel some comfort, you know, knowing his name is being thought of and we're all just so proud of you you know I I do this now but you know I'm already seven years almost after loss so it's like the trauma isn't as fresh so I know what your days probably look like so thank you for coming on screen here yeah no problem I'm happy to be there and be there for other women I don't know who is watching and how many women watch but obviously I'm always happy to share parts of on my social media if you want to send me some sort of like link and Thank you so much. And if anybody wants to follow Shine for Stillbirth on Instagram, that's the bill that we're promoting and it needs to go soon. It's actually maybe three weeks left before uh, the summer break, you know, they go on session. So if we can, everyone just contact today, your senator, uh, go to stillbirthstories.com. That's the easiest, like I mentioned, just send a quick message. That would be so helpful. You do not have to be a lost parent, just care about this issue. And then we'll hopefully get that past this year, which, you know, that's just, the first step, we'll be able to have the data we need, we'll start to do research. And there's also some training for pathologists in there, which you mentioned, like your pathology report was kind of not worth anything. <laughs> well, that's because not didn't give me anything. I'm like, okay, like everything looks perfect. So what happened? Yeah, <laughs> well, we need better than that. We need answers and we deserve answers. And, you know, those answers will help future families too for the research. So if we don't have that in there, then how can other people get better care? You know, that's actually the first thought I had after I lost my son and they were telling me, oh, healthy babies just die. I was like, so you're telling me that you're fine with what just happened to me, first of all. And second of all, you're going to let it happen to somebody else because you don't plan on changing anything. You're not going to talk to me about it. You're not going to look at my records to understand this better. 
you know, that was what really upset me because I thought, yeah, great. No one learned from this. My son died and it's just for nothing, you know, yeah, like you just go home with the memory box and, you know, see ya. Yeah. So that's not okay. So if anyone experienced loss, please contact us too. I'm happy to help and connect you. Yeah. I tag you also on my Instagram, um, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll do post, um, probably like today or tomorrow about shine and I'll tag you again and Thank just do. So yeah. Well, I hope you have a nice rest of your day and relax. As I relax, I wish I have to go back to work. Oh, you're going to work. Have, oh, no. I have work, work to do. Work sometimes helps. Work, you know, work keeps me busy. Yeah. So it's uh, honestly, it's, it's a healthy busy for me. Right. It's not like I'm trying to escape, but it, it keeps me busy. I, I can relate. That's why I do this all the time. <laughs> like if I'm doing this, maybe I'm not upset. I'm just like in action, you know? I like yeah, to be- You feel like you're more in control. Right. Thank you so much, Maya. All right. Yeah. Good seeing you, Anna. Bye. Thank you all for watching. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. I'm sure you could tell this was a really emotional episode for both of us, but we're happy to raise awareness to help others avoid this horrific trauma. We hope that it has helped you in preparing for your pregnancy. Remember to share this episode on social media so you can help others in your circle grow their knowledge and have a better birth outcome. Remember that all the posts that we share and our episodes are not meant to be medical advice. We are simply trying to help you and inform you as you continue your pregnancy. But always remember that you should consult your provider if you have any questions or concerns. They're there to help you and they are available to you 24-7, even if you have to go into the hospital or the ER. Again, follow us on social media to continue up to date with our next episodes and our posts. And feel free to connect with us in the DMs. If you have any questions, we would be happy to be there for you. You are not alone. This is your community. We hope that you will continue to watch our future and past episodes to continue to add to your knowledge as we interview birth workers, providers, researchers, and even people who have experienced different births so that when you get to your birth, you'll be a little bit more informed and prepared for whatever comes your way. Goodbye for now.